wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hey everyone, welcome to A Quirky Journey. We hope you're having a great week. We're glad to be back. We had a bit of a break uh, between podcasts because we've just been so busy. Um, I was away for a week in Sydney um, doing the photo shoot for my new book that I'm working on. Starting the photo shoot, only got about one-fifth of it done, but it's little by little. Um, so this cookbook, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, will be very much a gut health-focused um, cookbook with recipes that are all suitable for the GAPS diet and um, for all the different stages, but it's also just a general, simple, healthy cooking cookbook for anyone, even if you're not doing GAPS or particularly um, focusing on gut health, you'll just benefit from it um, just by using it as part of your everyday meals. So that's what I've been working on. And um, Elise and I were also doing seminars down in Sydney and Thoreau. And that was a lot of fun. We had such a great group in both seminars and really enjoyed it. And the feedback's been awesome. So yay, thanks for coming, guys, if you're listening. Um, We have seminars coming up next month, the middle of April, in Bendigo, Albury and Melbourne. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I love that we are doing a seminar on my birthday. seems a little strange. We weren't planning on that. We were planning on doing the seminars just after my birthday. But um, sometimes when you're looking for venues, you just have to take the dates you can get. And so we are doing a seminar in Bendigo on my birthday, the 15th of April. But you know what? I don't mind that at all because my work is just something that I really, really love. And um, I love doing these seminars. I love talking about health and healthy eating and showing people how to cook simple, healthy meals and dishes and um, helping people who are feeling like they're struggling and they're overwhelmed and they just need a bit of encouragement. And it's just what I love to do best. And so I get to do that on my birthday. (laughs) So if you want to come to my birthday seminar in Bendigo, I think it'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, So that one is on the 15th of April, 16th of April in Albury. And then we're planning on 18th of April for Melbourne, but we're still trying to finalise the venue for that. But if you go to quirkycooking.com.au slash events, you'll find all the details there. So onto the podcast. This week we are interviewing Kribben Govinda of Nourish Me Organics. Kribben is an amazing, really interesting guy. He's a food scientist, a registered nutritionist, and he specializes in gut health and mitochondrial health focused products. And um, he, he also provides stool testing and other testing. Um, he holds a degree, in, an honours degree in applied science, food science and technology. He's a member of the Australian Institute of Food Science and Technology and the Nutrition Society of Australia. He's got more than 20 years of food industry experience in the field of research and development, quality assurance and procurement and he really understands the food supply chain and the interaction between diet and the gut microbiome. He's personally visited more than 100 food processing sites across the world 
He's a real expert in the art of making fermented foods like kefir, kombucha and fermented veggies. And um, he was a judge in the 2019 RASV Australia Food Awards. He's also the host of one of Australia's leading nutrition podcasts, the Gut Health Gurus podcast. If you haven't listened to that yet, you need to. Um, I've only recently um, found Cribben and his podcast, and I'm fascinated by the work he does and also the people he interviews, amazing people, health experts from all around the world, and his podcast is like top of the charts. So pop over and have a look at that, the Gut Health Gurus podcast. In the podcast um, interview, Cribben will tell uh, his story, um, but just as a bit of an intro, um, he went through a really bad stage in his life about eight years ago uh, where he was extremely depressed, overweight, low in energy, and he actually was on the verge of taking his own life. But he soldiered on because of his children. He knew he needed to be there for his kids three young boys and he started to research how to be well again and he discovered the importance of gut health on his mental well-being which really resonates with me because we were in a similar stage with my son Isaac and he also found inspiration in the work of Dr Natasha Campbell McBride and through her book Gut and Psychology Syndrome as we did Um, and he began following the GAPS diet He made homemade fermented foods like kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, um, and he started practicing um, techniques for relaxation. He started to work on um, cognitive behavior therapy sessions. He learned different techniques to help him to pull out of the anxiety and depression. And he really um, feels that the, the diet and the nutrition and the fermented foods were foundational for his healing and for his also for his weight loss. Um, so it's really interesting to hear this just reiterated again and again from the people that we interview that they were in such a bad place and that as they changed their diet to heal the gut lining and, and to um, balance the microbiome and to bring back in those, um, f- to bring in those fermented foods that would really um, help them to have a diverse um, microbiome it just makes such a difference in health and it's so important and at this time of um, our history when we're struggling with so many toxins so much overload in our in our world and in our systems um, and we also have the viruses and things going on that are freaking everyone out the coronavirus and there always seems to be something you know, it's really important to understand how we can boost our immune systems, how we can stay healthy and um, not have to stress and worry about all the things going on in the world around us with toxins and viruses and illnesses. But we can really um, nourish our families and nourish ourselves so that we have um, really a great chance of avoiding all these (laughs) problems and issues and improving our health and our mental health, which is just such a big part of, um, you know, we talk in this podcast about how mental health and physical health, um, when one goes down, the other goes down and it can become a downward spiral. And we talk about how to get that back up again. So this is a really interesting podcast. If you haven't 
heard of Kriban Govinda and the work he does, um, pop over to um, Instagram, Facebook, follow Nourish Me Organics and the Gut Health Guru podcast, and you'll find lots of info there and also on his website. And all the links are in the show notes. Hope you enjoy this and get a lot out of it. Have a great week and we'll be back with you soon. Welcome, Kribben. It's so good to have you on the show. How are you going? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. No, it's great. Um, so you're in Melbourne. Yeah. What's in the Blue Mountains and I'm in far north Queensland. This is, this is a great, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had your coffee yet, Joe? I had one, but I don't think I had enough. This is a great, I don't Cross know. section, like that's it. the yeah, word. Cross section of Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the yeah. word I was trying to think of. <laughs> this is, this is mean, not Do you have any probiotics well. that help with mental clarity? Yeah, is I was it? about to say, I think I need some probiotics in my breakfast. <laughs> Absolutely. There's lots. There's some, some lion's mane mushroom as well. That helps oh, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. I've just gotten back from a big week down in Sydney doing a photo shoot for my next book and um, two seminars. So in... In six days, I did five days of photo shooting and two seminars that kept me up till midnight. So please excuse me if I'm a little slow. <laughs> excuses, excuses, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> You've been relaxing on the beach in Byron Bay. <laughs> uh, during the day and then at night, you know, that's been a different story. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good fun. Yeah. We would love to um, hear your story, Kriven, because you were telling me over the phone that you've had a bit of a health journey and I did read a little bit about you on your website as well. So how long ago was it that you sort of began changing your health and getting into probiotic foods and healing foods? Was it um, recent or...? No, it's it's been a bit of a journey. It, it started about, or well, now it, it goes back to about nine years ago. Oh, where okay. yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while actually. So about nine years ago, I most of my life actually I've struggled with anxiety and, and depression. And when I think back, when it actually started, you can kind of go back retrospectively and try and put your detective hat on and try and work it out. But it really, for me, it happened probably when I was around fifteen because I went to essentially this family vacation. We went to an ashram in India and I got extremely sick. I picked up some sort of bug. And when I got back to Australia, I went from being quite a happy-go-lucky kid to a very dark, depressed kid. And I think back because this bug that I picked up was actually Shigella dysentery. So it's an extremely nasty little, little bug and it literally just decimated my gut at the time. So what they did is they put me on this course of really heavy antibiotics and it literally would have wiped out my gut microbiome. And then I went and it really shifted my personality and my mood. But then as you kind of progress, I carried this anxiety, depression from then. And then as you progress in your career, and I've been in the food industry now for more than 20 years. So moving up from a food technologist, scientist, moving up into more senior roles in the food industry, the stress just gotten, you know, like as you progress, you, you obviously earn more, but the level of stress just goes through the roof. So what happened about nine years ago is my whole life imploded on itself. So you know, trying, to, trying to keep it together and then eventually it just went pear-shaped. And 
I, I, I remember clearly like my, just my marriage collapse. I've got three beautiful children. My marriage collapsed at the time. I was being bullied in the workplace and I wasn't performing. And eventually I split from my wife and ended up in, a, in an apartment in the city. And I just pretty much I was ready to end my life. And I, I put my science, what really saved me actually is my children because I didn't want to leave that legacy for my children. So I put on my science cap and started to look for ways to actually address this anxiety, depression. And this was very early days in, in the research in terms of the gut microbiome. It was really just in its infancy and the information was just starting to come out. So I started to see a trickle of that information, but it was really the GAPS book. So Natasha Campbell McBride, and my GAPS is huge for you guys. Yeah. And the GAPS book was the first book or first piece of information that very clearly articulated to me the connection between the gut and the brain. And then just progressing through the book, following the GAPS diet, starting to introduce some fermented foods, especially kefir, down the track and consuming kefir almost within a week, within a matter of days, I felt a huge lift in my mood. Wow. So it was, that was the little bit of key information that really cemented it for me, how important the gut is when it comes to your mental health. And cutting a long story short, like going along that journey of gaps, then... Don't cut it short. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> and it, just following all the principles of gaps, healing the gut, sealing the lining, introducing the fermented foods. And I went from someone that was miserable and depressed. I was overweight. I was 14 kilos heavier than I am now. Pretty much just existing, just substance what's the word for it just barely existing to someone now I'm back with my wife my life is vibrant i lost a whole heap of weight and don't get me wrong i still get anxious and i still feel depressed at times and i think that's perfectly normal yeah. but it went from being something that was like chronic, chronic. it was yeah. happening all the time to now being pretty much you know in balance when it comes to my moods and emotions so that that's my story mm. Amazing. So quite a quick turnaround with your um, improving in mental health. Yeah, and I will, I will underscore, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the, the gaps or even fermented foods is the panacea. Mm. Like when I look back, there was many different things I was mm. doing at the time. So it's not like you can just do one thing and then everything is fixed. Mm-hmm. It's like at the time, even when I was alone in my apartment, sort of trying to work out what was happening. I, was, I, was, I started doing yoga. I started doing meditation. I started to exercise more. I, I actually joined an acting class and started to learn, you know, the craft of acting and being more authentic and things like that. Then I was also seeing a psychologist. So I was going through cognitive behavior therapy at the time. I went through the Landmark Forum. So there were so many things I was doing but the gut health was just one part of the puzzle, a very important part when it comes to the biology and the, the chemistry between the gut and the brain. But I just wanted to highlight to the audiences that there are many different ways you can deal with it. But I think the biochemistry is very important. Mm. It is foundational for sure. Um, 
if if your uh, brain chemistry is being heavily impacted uh, by your gut health, there's very little that you can do to actually get yourself out of um, you know these uh, the negative thought patterns or negative self talk or mm-hmm. uh, all these things that will uh, be the symptoms of anxiety. And now, even though those symptoms of anxiety are perhaps uh, uh, lifestyle related, or uh, obviously you you've uh, gone through the divorce, so they obviously had the, so much input in in terms of the anxiety, the bullying at work. Um, but there's a foundational aspect to the biology that needs to be like almost prerequisite um, for for the mental health to start really, really improving. I feel foundational. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And at the time, I remember the, the psychiatrist wanting to start me onto an SSRI, the the Prozacs and the Zoloft of the world. I didn't really want to go down that path. And just from, from, from a biochemistry perspective, these drugs work by keeping serotonin in the blood longer. So that's how they actually function. But what I was doing is my approach was to use, use fermented foods and use things like kefir and using gut health as a way of actually, because most of the serotonin is produced in the gut. And we, we don't fully understand how the serotonin produced in the gut impacts the brain whether there is an exact direct mechanism but serotonin in the gut has some huge implications on and certainly gut health and how we feel but yeah i 100 agree and it's bi-directional absolutely the things the, the things like stress or you know things that are happening externally in the body and in our psychology impact the gut and then what's happening in the gut then impacts the brain so there's this bi-directional almost connectivity happening between uh, different systems so you've got to yeah. deal with both you've got to deal with what's happening in your mind and your thought mm. patterns and things like meditation and you know you're in, dealing with your inner critic and all these different voices and there's practices like the alexander technique or voice dialogue cognitive behavior therapy that helps you to conquer this you know funny story i remember being in a being in a with my psychiatrist and talking through the bullying at work and she actually and this this is was so powerful for me. She literally said, "Okay, think about that cushion in the corner there. Now that's your boss that's bullying you. <laughs> now what I want you to do is roll up this catalog, this piece of paper, and absolutely beat the hell out of this, beat the hell out of your boss." So I rolled up this you know, this catalog, and then I'm beating this this pillow and just talking through all my emotions and how I felt about being bullied and I was literally in tears. Like I was in tears. I was yelling, I was screaming. It was very ugly. My, my, literally that piece of catalog was in shreds and it actually went from shreds to me actually punching this pillow and my hands were bloody. That's how, how emotional it got, but it was so cathartic. I mean, there was this huge release of almost closure of having said what I had to say with this, person that was obviously causing me a lot of mental anguish and that was actually dealt with so powerfully so there is a place for cognitive behavior therapy and what happens in the mind and how you deal with these things there's actual shifts also happening in the gut microbiome just from those very actions so it is so powerful like there's actually studies to show that things like cognitive behavior therapy can actually shift the gut microbiome. That's so interesting. It's so, so fundamental. 
Well, we, we live in a, most of us, or a lot of us, live in a state of uh, fight or flight. So our nervous system is fully activated all the time. And uh, when it's in fight or flight, the, our body's ability to regenerate and heal is completely pulled down to very low percentages. It can still heal a little bit, but if we don't manage our stress and our moods and our uh, thoughts, then, and we stay in that uh, activated nervous system, then our body's not going to be given the chance to, to really heal. So that's the feedback loop that you were talking about. So like one implies the other. Um, and, you know, you, you put the good stuff in your body and that sort of takes away a measure of physiological stress, which has been causing the chemicals in your brain to be uh, going a little bit crazy and then that goes down a little bit and then you get a little bit more space to maybe when you're sitting down in that session with your counselor, you can actually be more present and more in touch with your feelings and then you can go through that process and then that process takes you out of that chronic feeling of anxiety that you, with all these thoughts that you've had in your head, mm. you express yourself and then your physiology in turn will respond and you'll go out of that fight or flight because you've had that fight and then you've shaken it out of your system and you go to rest and digest perhaps afterwards and you feel elated and all those good hormones are going through your system after you've expressed yourself and yeah. your body will, will start optimizing healing. Totally, totally. And what's really interesting for it is that I, I came across a study pretty recently and this really blew my mind and I've never spoken to this, this point before. But expressing things like anger, you know, something that we look at quite a shameful way of people being angry. But I think expressing anger in a safe way with a therapist is so powerful. And the reason why it's so powerful, the study indicated, was that there's a huge release of dopamine <laughs> when you express anger. So when you fully express anger, you actually feel amazing. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. it's it's like because most of us suppress this emotion all the time. Like someone slights you in a way or, or life slights you in a way. And what you do is you just swallow that anger down because it's societal, right? Ang angry, being angry is not oh, yeah. emotion. acceptable. Yeah. It's not acceptable. But I yeah. think there is a place for expressing anger in a safe way with a therapist, especially when it drives closure to any psychi psychiatric insults or, or things. And a lot of it is actually sitting from childhood experiences. It's like things that you hold in your body oh, yeah. from a childhood and it's sitting in your subconscious mind and it's just, it just hasn't expressed. So I, I found it extremely cathartic, even going through something like a landmark forum where you deal with things like childhood stresses, things you might not even be, aware of until you actually sit down and think about it and deal with it. And I think, you know, it's a classic example of, of depression, which is being anchored in the past and anxiety, being worried about the future. And I think dealing with these childhood stresses is, is a core fundamental aspect of dealing with something like depression. And then anxiety, and anxiety worrying about what's happening in the future well, what's going to happen? Oh my God, the whole world is going to end from coronavirus or something like that. So that's an anxiety. Is it? Oh my God, don't say that. <laughs> that that's, a, that's a worry about the future and things and certainly tools like, like meditation just bring you back into the or yoga. They bring you back into the present moment so then you're not, uh, not being anchored by the past 
or worrying so much about the future and you're really focused on what's happening right in front of you in this moment and living moment by moment. One thing I found really helpful with my son when he went through all the anxiety was, like you say, being that safe place for him to express all those feelings that he felt he couldn't talk to his friends about. He couldn't talk to, you know, even his brothers and sisters about or his dad, but he felt like he could be safe with me and talk about it. And um, he's told me again and again what a big difference that made. And he had a psychologist too and did the CBT training. But it's also interesting what you're saying about how the, it's kind of that vicious circle thing which can be used either way. the importance of the counselling and working through all those emotions and the anxiety, but also the importance of the foundational building up the gut health. And he got to this stage where um, I guess both of them were helping so much that he was skipping sections of his CBT training because he was just going, he was healing so quickly. Um, And it was really amazing to see like also like you could see that the gut health stuff as that, as he healed, was completely changing his moods and his feelings and his emotions. But you could also see when he did get down and we talked through it, we just generally we'd go for a walk um, and we live out of town um, in the country and it's a beautiful, you know, nature, trees, it's a lovely area. And we'd go for a walk out in nature and within 15 minutes, of talking and walking, he just calmed right down. And it's, like you say, it's never one thing. And it's so interesting how these things work together to heal um, the counselling, the getting the emotions out. and Also, also like, he, he did go through, like, uh, you'd help him pray through his problems mm. as well, yeah. which also helped him take it out of those dark places inside yeah. him where he's trying to push it down mm. and to say, look, this is actually what I'm dealing with and I need help yeah yeah (laughs) that really was helpful as well I remember that you said that helped a lot it did yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely things like like prayer or or even or simply gratitude yep gratitude we worked on a lot yeah Mm -hmm. so important because it just grounds you in the moment and it makes you actually appreciate all the things that you actually have and Mm. even even prayer, whether you, whatever belief you have, just expressing a, a, a word of prayer is, is certainly another form of gratitude. And mm-hmm. it's so, so impactful on, on the way you feel. And sometimes people don't feel comfortable to share their emotions with other people, but they will either in journaling or in prayer. And those are still, you know, really great ways to, um, I guess, put your emotions into words and recognize them right yeah yeah absolutely and i think with prayer as well it's like you're taking the responsibility or the burden from yourself mm. and you're just passing it on to a, a greater mm. power the universe yeah. whatever it is and saying well you know you're you're it's you're out of my hands <laughs> it's out of my hands you're you're, you're mm. responsible for my well-being yeah. and you're not holding that burden inside of yourself yeah it really does help to let go and, and it's not something that you do it once and then it's done but it it's something that you just have well, to keep keeps going. Working. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But it it really does help. Mm. So, Kribin, really? you you managed to go through the dark night of the soul, and then pass through it, come out on the other side, and you 
um, obviously found some beautiful uh, lessons that you were able to bring back to share with your community from your own ordeals. Um, what happened next? Yeah, so it, it all resulted in me. So obviously having deal, dealing with all my own stuff, then I reconciled with my wife. So then we went through marriage counseling. We, then we decided to give it a try again. So went back home. And then eventually I thought there is definitely something. So there's some message that I can, that's in my own experience that I can share with the rest of the world. So then I started a company called Nourish Me Organics. And the first thing we really did was to focus on the kefir. And so we, at the time, getting hold of kefir wasn't very easy. I mean, there's a few people you could get it, or you could get some sharing communities, but it wasn't really yeah. accessible. So we wanted to make it more accessible. So we started to, firstly, we literally started as an eBay company. And then from there, we just went on to starting our own website. And then we, we started making kits to actually allow people to make their own kefir. Then we expanded into other types of fermented foods like kombucha. And it's all, all centered around that DIY, you know, people having the ability to make all these amazing fermented foods for themselves at home. I mean, it's, it's a lot more cost effective and it's mm. really easy. So you focus on the kefir was because of the profound experience that you had when you start, started having it. What's so special about kefir, say, compared to yogurt or something like that? Is there something different about it? Totally. I mean, if you look at kefir, kefir is true kefir made with a, a scoby or a kefir grain. It's not something you can replicate in a lab. And I've done, as a food scientist, I've done a lot of research and we've done our own independent studies as well from mm. a DNA perspective and looking at the bacteria and what these bacteria actually produce. Firstly, to highlight, it's an ancient, ancient product. There's mentions of it in the Old Testament. It go, goes back thousands of years. And then more recently in the, the 1200s, probably the Mongols were a huge part of actually spreading it to the rest of the world. And then we see it pop up again in around the 1600s in France. Hmm. But where it really hit its stride was a guy by the name of Eli Metchnikoff. I think it was about 19, in the very early 1900s. He was known as the father of probiotics. He was the guy that did the initial research and he won a Nobel Prize, actually. He was a contemporary of Louis Pasteur, which is another very famous scientist. And so he was the one that coined this whole term probiotic because he was looking at these on, on those tribes of people that were living well over 100 consistently. And what he identified is they were using these fermented type dairy products like yogurt and, and kefir. So, and then from, from that research, then it spread into Russia and then it spread into the rest of the world. But look, so looking at kefir, the benefits of kefir are just out of this world, out of all the fermented foods, it is the most studied fermented food. And this is yeah. the dairy milk, kefir. And the benefits of kefir are not only from the bacteria. So conservatively, you can say there'll be anywhere between 30 and 100 strains of beneficial bacteria, primarily lactobacillus species. That's only one part of the story. Then you've got, you've got, prebiotics, which are food that actually 
feed the good bacteria. So things like GOS or galacto-oligosaccharides. There's also short-chain fatty acids like butyrate that are abundant in milk kefir. So butyrate is your fuel for your colonic cells in the gut. So, so important and so foundational when it comes to dealing with leaky gut and things like that. And there's, there's a lot more. And the latest science suggests that there's around 30 functional peptides. And we've got actually, and functional peptides, so the way the science is moving is well beyond probiotics. The scientists now are actually looking at what we call postbiotics. So postbiotics are what the bacteria actually produce that are eliciting a benefit in the body. So I mentioned some, GOS, short-chain fatty acids. uh, What they produce from the fermentation or what they produce in the gut? Both. So from the fermentation in itself, so you put kefir grains in milk and then you've got all this GOS, you've got got butyrate, you've got all these functional peptides. Now with functional peptides, you've got studies that even showed that these functional peptides mimic pharmaceutical drugs. That's how powerful it is. There's studies to show that it can lower blood pressure, it can lower cholesterol, can deal with excess blood sugar. There's antibiotics that actually modulate certain aspects of the gut microbiome. So it is, for me, an absolute miracle. There is nothing like it. And out of all the fermented foods, and people rave about kombucha, but kombucha has very limited studies, mostly anecdotal studies. And the only real benefit that we've been able to show so far is modulating blood glucose when it comes to kombucha. It's also delicious, but that's another benefit. <laughs> it's delicious. And yeah. it's, and it's, far, it's far better than fizzy, sugar-rich drinks, right? Yeah. So, it is easier to get your kids to, get, to drink it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to totally. ask you some, some it's ideas bubbly. on it. It's yeah. bubbly. It's bubbly. And it's, it's, like it's a step. Drink. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. My, point is, my point is with kefir, you've got clinical studies on people to show that it can actually deal with things like IBD, clinical data, but also a ton of preclinical data. So still what, on what's, animal, I, what's IBD, sorry? I, IBD. Was that the IBS or IBD? That's oh, okay, intestinal bowel disease or... Oh, okay, yeah. I was okay. going to say a good friend of mine with um, yeah. all the Crohn's and IBS and everything, she said that was the most powerful thing for her as keeper. Wow. It's, it's, it's incredible. And we know we start to understand why, because there's all these, these postbiotics in there, like mm. aside from the lactobacillus species. I, yeah, I guess there's, um, you know, milk itself is such an incredibly complex substance as well. And then you add this bacteria to it, and then you have yourself all sorts of um, like strange and wonderful chemicals that are going to get produced, which might not cannot possibly be created like there's no fat in kombucha for instance and there's no protein in it so once but but it's just pure sugar a sugar fermentation whereas you have all these things happening within the milk that the kefir is fermenting and obviously there's going to be a, a wider spectrum of chemicals that, that are going to be produced right yeah totally if you look at kombucha you've got the teas like the all, all the, the polyphenols catechins and epicatechins yeah. and things, antioxidants that are naturally in the tea. But the tea fermentation with sugar also results in a lot of organic acids like glucuronic, 
gluconic acid. Mm. And all these, again, they're postbiotics. They're, they're what the bacteria and yeast are producing. And it's these things that are most likely eliciting the benefit. And with dairy fermentation, dairy is a very complex substrate, right? There's proteins, there's fats, as, as you mentioned. Mm. But the milk is totally transformed. It, it goes from being, you know, a milk product to a med- actual medicine. It is like a, like a natural medicine because there's right. so many of these functional peptides that are in the milk kefir, which is miraculous. Like it's, there's nothing like it. And it's the most studied fermented food on the planet with data to back it up. So what happens with people who are dairy intolerant? Do you find they usually can handle a little bit of kefir? keep saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kefir. And so it really depends on whether they're, they're lactose intolerant or they're casing intolerant. Right. Yeah. So with lactose, the sh- that's the sugar in milk. So mm-hmm. most of that is actually fermented out for your lactobacilli. So they, they're converting the lactose into lactic acid. With the casing intolerance, maybe it will still create issues. But my point is that Casein is a protein, and it only becomes an issue when the gut is leaky. Yeah. So if you deal with a lot of issues, any allergies that you have, they're all all true allergies or all proteins. Mm -hmm. So it's the proteins getting into the gut. So if you deal with the gut leakiness, most likely you're going to find you'll be able to tolerate a lot of these foods that you haven't tolerated in the past. Which but, is why GAPS is so awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it helps with all that. Exactly. And that's why going through a GAPS diet or some form of elimination diet mm. to heal the gut lining and heal the mucosal layers first before implementing things that perhaps you weren't able to consume in the past is so powerful. Yeah. yeah it took me a year to be able to handle dairy um, doing GAPS, but now I can. That's great. I didn't bring kefir in for a fair while because I just thought dairy, it won't work, but I maybe Mm -hmm. could have brought it in earlier. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's also, there's water kefir. I mean, Mm. water water kefir is is not studied particularly well because we don't fully understand it yet and there's not much investment actually going into studying the product. But what we do know is it's very rich in bifidobacteria. And this is hot off the press. There was a study only a couple of months ago that showed there were unique species of bifidobacteria. And why bifidobacteria are so important when it comes to gut health and even mental health is because they produce a lot of tryptophan in the gut. So tryptophan is so important when it comes to mood because and also sleep. Because tryptophan is converted into serotonin in the gut, which then cascades into melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So if you, if you don't tolerate dairy, I mean, there's around 15 strains of, of beneficial bacteria in water kefir, but there's also a ton of bifidobacteria. Wow. Yeah. So it's so powerful. Uh, and another thing to underscore is that these foods are absolutely teeming with beneficial bacteria when you talk about a 250 mil serving of milk kefir there is approximately two trillion organisms per serve wow that is staggering Mm. the whole gut microbiome is around 38 trillion 
So think about that as a percentage. Wow. It is absolutely teeming with lactobacilli. Can we, pause? Can we pause for a sec? I just want to get a drink of kefir. <laughs> I'll do it after. <laughs> it's making me eager to drink more. <laughs> it's do you have some at home, Joe? I do. <laughs> I need to find ways of having this thing and enjoying it. Because every time I've had like, I really love yogurt. I don't love the kefir. Oh, yeah. I yes. need some but ways. Tell us some ways, especially yeah. for kids and for us. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it is. It, is this common, Kerbin, or is it just me being weird? Because Not at all. My yeah. son, my son Isaac, needs it the most, and he's the one that's like, "Ooh, I can't drink it." So. <laughs> it's 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 super powerful. I mean, it it is acquired taste. It is. Mm. It can be sour, and the fermentation can be very unpredictable on the types of textures and flavors that you get. Because after all, it is a wild fermentation. So my, my recommendation is to incorporate in things like smoothies. So you can very easily mix it up with some, some fruits. You can even blend it with yogurt just to dilute it down to get it more palatable. You can use it to make salad dressings. You can use it to make ice cream. That's a good you trick. It, you can even cook with it as well. This, because again, remember I mentioned before, the postbiotics are still there. So even if you kill the lactobacilli, and there's even studies suggesting that dead lactobacilli mm. are also beneficial in some way, shape, or form. So you can cook with it, you can blend it, you can mix it, you can put mm. some honey into it. Honey is a great one to add. There's lots of inulin, which is a prebiotic in honey as well. So there's lots of good ways to flavor it. And so you could, you could probably use it instead of buttermilk in cooking, couldn't you? Would it you work could. like that? Yeah. You could, you could, you could definitely use the whey portion as well. Mm-hmm. What we do as well, a lot of people in our community actually make cheese out of it. Ooh. So what you can do like is, a labna. is, yeah, like a labna, because it's very easy to over ferment, especially mm. in summer. That's why. So what, that's why Isaac doesn't like it because the first time I made it, I completely over fermented. He <laughs> <laughs> <It> was like, ah. <laughs> so a real basic way if you over ferment, and over fermentation is when it essentially splits. Mm. Into, into case casing curds. and mm. curds casing or, or and weight. So what you do is you can literally just pass it through a muslin cloth and keep the whey because the whey is absolute gold. This mm-hmm. is what all your bodybuilders and whatnot you the, mm-hmm. use the whey proteins, but you can make kvass, which is an awesome mm-hmm, beetroot yeah. product out of the whey. You can drink the whey. You can add lemon juice and cook the whey and make ricotta cheese out of the whey. So whey, don't chuck that out. Mm. And there's so much uses for it. But then with the actual curds, you can press that, you can salt that, you can add herbs and spices, pepper, you can roll it into ladna balls and put it into olive oil. You can just make a spreadable cheese out of it that's probiotic rich. So it's, it's amazing what you can do and how versatile the actual product is. Mm-hmm. There you go, Fuad. I've got lots of ideas now. Yeah, that's fantastic. I can see uh, his mind ticking on recipes. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> because like, um, I'm just wondering really like what is like an effective dose? Like do I need to have 250 meals? Like it, it is like, is, is it a matter of quantity or more frequency? Like what are we looking at here in terms of the bene- benefits? That's a good question. I mean, certainly if you're s- suffering from any GI distress or any gut issues, you want to be really careful with any fermented food because what happens when you when you get these gut these bugs going in? So lact- lactobacilli are 
are producing hydrogen peroxide. So they produce these antibiotic compounds. They can knock out a lot of competitive organisms. They can knock out yeasts. They can knock out other competitive bacteria. And what happens when you are pretty much creating this warfare in the gut is that these cells, these dead cells, can trigger what we call a Herxheimer reaction. Mm. So that's when you've got all these dead cells then floating around in the gut. And if the gut is leaky, these cells can actually pass through the the intestinal layer and end up into the blood. And this is going to create an anti-inflammatory response, which might be rashes, it might be diarrhea. So first off the bat, you've got to start really slow. So people that do my workshops or people that ask me for a dose initially, I'll say start with a teaspoon. Start with a teaspoon and just listen to how your body reacts to the product. If you are experiencing discomfort, then you need to go back to actually healing the gut lining first Mm. and then slowly work it up to around 250 mils per day and use, use it creatively through the day. And to your point, I think consistency is very important. And one thing I didn't underscore is the presence of GABA. So GABA, this is one thing. That's good. This is one thing that scientists, and I I recently interviewed Professor Felice Jacker, who's one of the experts. I've interviewed Professor Ted Dyden from Cork University. These guys are experts when it comes to food and mood. And they all agree that one of the major benefits of fermented foods specifically kefir and even fermented vegetables and things like that. Not, not so much kombucha, but they're all very rich in GABA. And GABA is a... So I'm going to start dancing to Dancing Queen? Oh, sorry, that's ABBA. That's ABBA. <laughs> yeah, Bad joke. I want a pity. <laughs> so, Thank you for the... Da, da, da. Okay. <laughs> so Felice, Felice Jacker from the Food and Food Center in... Nice one. Sorry, like. this is a family podcast. We can't <laughs> keep it alive. Who's serious? He's got to add the dad jokes. <laughs> That's part of my job description. So, so Felice Jacker from the Food and Mood Centre in Deakin University in, here in Melbourne, she's written papers extensively on this so people can find those papers talking about fermented foods and GABA. So my point is when you introduce these foods, there is almost – it's almost almost like, I wouldn't say an addiction, but a, a craving for these fermented mm-hmm. foods because, and I feel it myself, because of the sheer amount of GABA, mm-hmm. neurotransmitters in there enhancing mood. So I actually crave my kefir, my milk kefir every morning because I know I'm going to get this big, this big benefit <laughs> in terms of mood enhancement. Especially so do, like, you, do you just gulp down a glass of it or what do you do usually? No, my, my, my thing is I get my, my kefir. I'll mm-hmm. add some blueberries. Mm-hmm. Some blueberries are powerful, powerful mm. phenolic compounds in there. Again, lots of prebiotics, all those, you know, the, eat the rainbow, all those colored mm-hmm. vegetables and fruits are so beneficial for the gut. But then I also add some bee pollen in there. Mm. So there's all these other benefits of bee pollen. What are, can you break it down for us a little bit? What's, why do you do the bee pollen? Bee pollen I add because... Bee, bee pollen is very rich in copper. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of us uh, have almost, from the, the research I've looked at, almost excess levels of iron in, in our bodies. So copper is one of these molecules that help to chelate and help us to, to remove too much iron from oh, the blood. It detoxes the body. 
it's not it's not so much of an issue for women because they go through the natural cycle yeah. every month, so that helps to get rid of excess iron. But yeah. for for guys like you and I, yeah. you know, things like giving blood is useful, but mm-hmm. using copper. So it's either I use beef liver for my copper source, yeah. and I'll, I'll have that once a week, and I'll also have bee pollen every day because of the Ooh. copper content. And then finally, I add colostrum. Mm-hmm. So colostrum is the very early milk from, from cows and what colostrum does and, and colostrum even does this in humans when, when mums produce colostrum for their babies is it actually signals to the gut to seal. So oh, there wow. is third, third phase clinical studies showing that colostrum helps to seal the gut lining. So wow. it's extremely, extremely powerful when it comes to actually sealing the gut. Where and do they, you get your colostrum from? Colostrum, we, we, we buy it in. We actually, our company, actually oh, you sell it? We, okay. we supply yeah. colostrum as well. We, yeah, we nice. bovine colostrum from the US. It's, it's not easy to get. And it's That's what I was wondering because it's such a, it's a low supply kind of product. Yes. Uh, if you look at the amount of milk a cow can produce versus colostrum. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to get it from a reputable source would be something our listeners would be interested in. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that you sell it. We have it and it's it's pure. And the the thing is with the pharmaceutical colostrums, if you actually read the label, they'll be like, you know, like maybe 5% colostrum mixed oh. in with skim milk powder and uh, powder. Okay. So whereas the, the colostrum we have is 100%. Wow. How, how much do you need? Not much. I, I would add maybe a teaspoon in my batch of, my, my batch of kefir. Is so it very you, expensive? It's about 40 bucks. For uh, like for, a For about 200, I think it's 100 grams, so about 40 bucks or so. Yeah, for, Which is like a month's supply or something? Yeah, it'll be easily a month's supply. So yeah. it's not particularly expensive, but it's it's a great prophylactic when it comes to to making sure the gut learning is, is sealed. And wow. we've got human studies, clinical studies, to yeah. show this. And they use this. The studies have been done on people with, you know, with, who are alcoholic or, or things like that that have liver issues because you, got, you guys know about LPS, so lipopolysaccharides. So, again, I mentioned the dead blood, the dead bacteria. They're rich in these compounds called lipopolysaccharides which are from certain species of bacteria in the gut. But if the gut is leaky, and this normally happens with alcoholics, things like lipopolysaccharides can leak into the bloodstream and call what we call endotoxemia or metabolic yeah. endotoxemia, which is extremely dangerous for people with liver issues. Mm. And I know this very, very deeply because I lost my brother last year from alcoholism. Oh, no. um, yeah, this is very painful. Mm. Wow. So with the, um, sorry, I'm just going back to the colostrum. Um, how much, so how much are you adding per, like what's the ratio with the kefir? Kefir, sorry. Kefir, it's okay. <laughs> they're, all, they're all different ways of saying it. But mm. the, the general rule is I, I don't actually measure. I, okay. I just sprinkle, sprinkle it on. Yep. I would guesstimate it would be like a teaspoon. Because per- it's a... But how much? 250, 250. Oh, okay, a cup, yeah. It's okay. my bat size. Cool. So literally sprinkling a, t- a teaspoon on, because it's 100% pure it's, mm. and it's bioactive, it's, you don't need much. A, yeah. a little bit goes a long way. Okay. 
what what about um you know all this talk about dairy being a very hormonally active product and people avoid it because you know it's designed to take a little calf to be a big steer or cow <laughs> very quickly and it's not really suitable for an adult human to be uh, ingesting the milk of uh, a bovine. What do you? What's your thoughts on that? That's a really good question, Fouad. I mean, dairy dairy has been with us for thousands of years. I mean, it's if you look at all all the main cultures in the world, it's been fundamental. Whether it's in India or in many other parts of the world in Europe, the the problem with dairy is is it's become more inflammatory as we've tried mm. to produce it on a, on a mass scale. Firstly, we've, we've engineered our cows through selective breeding to produce mm. more milk. So all these, these selective breeding practices and producing the product in mass has resulted in the product becoming more inflammatory to the body. But I think if you are choosing an older breed of cow or you are using you know, or fermenting the product, it changes changes it substantially and transforms that food into something very different. Mm. My, my own practice, I have milk in my coffee on a pretty minimal amount, but most of my dairy consumption is actually, it's going to be cheese, yeah. which is fermented, or it's going to be, because if you think about it, the ancient cultures, right, it's not like they're, they're guzzling down milk. They weren't. Mm. Yeah. There was no shelf life. Mm, I mean, that's right. The milk wouldn't last. So what they did is they fermented it. It's mm-hmm. under they they put it in a calf stomach and then the rennet converted it into cheese and gave it lots of shelf life. Mm. That's a very different product to the milk that initially came out of the cow or they, they turned it into yogurt or turned it into kefir. So it's not like they were guzzling down bucket loads mm. of fresh milk. So my milk consumption is minimal. But when it comes to your fermented milk products, you know, it's, it's a very different proposition. And I think if you, if you do choose the older breeds of cows, small, small farm, mm. you know, sustainably raised, the quality is certainly choosing your A2 type proteins, whether it's from an A2 cow or, or using goat's milk, is going to be much more gentle and less, a less likelihood of being inflammatory than a mass-produced milk product that's produced what brand do you use for milk? We use all the smaller batches, small batch production type farms like Schultz or, or Demeter. Or at home, if you're more cost sensitive, certainly A2 or goat's milk is a good option as well. We have a lovely organic dairy up here that has the Jersey um, Jersey. The Jersey cows. And, Great. Um, they actually make a kefir as well, which is apparently really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I do, I have, I have tasted it, um, but yeah, certainly cost effective to make your own, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a, that's a good, good segue. We, we talk about the commercial stuff. Mm. As long as the manufacturer is using kefir grains, this yeah. is very important mm. because the regulatory limitations in Australia are very strict when it comes to alcohol. Mm-hmm. And there is most fermented products will have a small quantity of alcohol. The, the issue is with, with certainly with dairy kefirs, I'm not aware of any product on the market. Maybe the smaller guys, like the ones up your way, are doing it properly. But all the mass-produced ones in the supermarket are mm. all fake. 
Yeah, they're right. literally using starter cultures from a lab, not mm-hmm. real kefir grains. Right. Kefir. Because there's no standard of identity in the food standards code on mm-hmm. what you can call kefir yet. Mm-hmm. So a lot of companies are jumping onto trends and calling something kefir when it's not kefir. Oh so my God. I, I, it's so, so common, like this kind of stuff. It really like in the kombucha me. world, like you look at the kombuchas now. Yeah. They're all, they're all soft drinks. With, they're soft drinks. Yeah, they're not. Right? I mean, like they've Sugar got erythritol and they've got all sorts of weird things that they're adding in there. To, to the defense, it's, it's because a lot, I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're trying to do the right thing I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but a lot of it is to do with the regulatory limitations. Right. Some may be just jumping on a trend. And I think a lot of the kefirs in the mm-hmm. supermarket are jumping on trends. Yeah. And all the studies that are done on kefir, all the stuff I've talking, talked about, about functional peptides, about prebiotics like GOS, butyrate, GABA, all these things, you need real kefir grains. Mm. So it's not, it's very misleading to the consumer because you're thinking you're getting kefir, but you're getting yogurt cultures or or you're getting, there's some people selling starter cultures to make kefir and calling it kefir, but it's not kefir. It is a mixture of different bacteria. It is not real kefir. Real kefir can only be made using kefir grains. So if you ask the manufacturer, are you using kefir grains? If you're using kefir grains, tick, it is kefir. If you're not using kefir grains, it is not kefir. It might be having some benefits, but certainly not the purported benefits of kefir as reported in the studies. Is it like when you buy um, probiotics produced in a laboratory compared to probiotics that are wild, fermented from food, you get such a greater variety? diversity of the um so and would each batch be different sometimes or in terms of the 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 the, um variety of bacteria and like i know when they make it with the same culture every time it's always that's all you're getting yeah yeah that's a really good point you know with microbiome studies it is pretty much in infancy but what scientists do agree is that Diversity is the main driver mm-hmm. of a healthy ecosystem. And intuitively, we know this. When we look at a rainforest or we look at any ecosystem on the planet, when there is diversity in that ecosystem, it, t- it tends to be a healthier ecosystem. When you monocrop, for instance, when you start to cut down all the trees and it's, it's pretty much bare land, and then we start to put pesticides and all these things, and then we reduce the diversity of the the ecosystem, that ecosystem is not as resilient and robust. Mm. And it's a very similar thing that happens. So your fermented foods are much more diverse and each patch changes. Yeah. To your point, Joey, like every and it changes seasonally because mm. that's the nature of wild fermentation. It's a double-edged sword that you'll end up with different products almost on a daily basis. But the good thing is that there is more diversity in the species of bacteria. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I do think there is a place for probiotic supplements, mm-hmm. especially when the strains being studied have good clinical data behind them, something like a, a BB12 or LA5 or Lactobacillus GG or even the Yukult Shiretta strains. All these 
these things have data behind them and there is a place for it. But with probiotics, it needs to be guided by a practitioner. That's what I was going to ask, yeah, because I suppose they're, they're made to target certain things, right? Yes, exactly. So it needs to be guided by a practitioner. It's not like you can go to the supermarket or the pharmacy and just pick one nilly, willy-nilly. Mm. You need to work with a practitioner. Whatever your specific condition is, it's like a medicine because probiotics are dose-specific. So they're species-specific or strain or subspecies, strain-specific and also dose-specific because the studies that are done are done on a specific strain, for instance, you know, BB12 or LA5, and they target a certain dysfunction mm-hmm. at that dose. Yeah. So it has to be those things that are guided by the practitioner. What is your issue and what is the best probiotic to deal with it? But the thing is that probiotics the clinically studied ones like VSL number three or Megaspore or the, um, the Nysil strain or all these things are super expensive. I mean, you're talking about upwards of $100 a month, you know, in terms of the, the cost. Whereas a fermented food, you know, if you're not suffering from any dysfunction, but you just want to maintain a healthy gut ecosystem, whether you choose something at milk kefir, which is dairy, or you choose a sauerkraut, a water kefir, which is a friendly for plant-based applications. You know, these things are introducing all these beneficial bacteria into the gut and they cost you barely nothing. Mm. Like milk kefir is literally milk kefir grains and milk. Mm. And that milk kefir grain can be re- reused forever, indefinitely. Amazing. There's Love nothing it. like it on the planet. <laughs> and water yeah. kefir, it grows like a rabbit. I mean, it's even more than rabbits. I mean, it's doubling <laughs> every batch. So you can, you can produce so much water kefir, like you can produce enough for your whole family for pennies to the dollar. I mean, mm. and kombucha is the same. Like once you get a scoby, you've got indefinite quantities of kombucha that can be made. You never need to buy another bottle of kombucha or water kefir or, or even milk kefir once you get these starter cultures because they can be reused forever. And then, then sauerkraut. Sauerkraut, all you need is cabbage and salt. That's it. That's <laughs> two, it. $2 a batch, like next yeah. to nothing. Um, what happens if you've got mold issues in your home? Can that affect your ferments and what can you do about it? That's a really good question. I mean, mold toxicity is, can be an issue if there's dampness or there's, there's sources of mold in the environment. Fortunately, with your, your milk kefir or even water kefir, they're far too abundant in lactobacilli. Okay. They, they ferment the, the medium so quickly that it's impossible for mold to grow. I have never seen wow. moldy kefir grains. That's good to know. In all my time of making this product. Mm. There will be natural yeasts, but no mold. Mold is not an issue for these products because... These, these guys produce so much lactic acid, hydrogen peroxide, they're just going to kill, they're killing pathogens. They've been shown to kill listeria, salmonella. Wow. You know, all your major food pathogens, these guys actually knock them out. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Now I know how to get Isaac to take it because that's one of his biggest fears is salmonella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell him, keep up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, like they're, they're, there's, there's studies there that show these things actually knock them out. Like, that's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Mm. With mold, it can be an issue with kombucha. Mm. If your environment 
is conducive to mold, but mold is ubiquitous. I mean, it's all around us. It's in the air. The, the thing is with mold is if the medium is not fermenting quickly enough right. when it comes to okay. kombucha. And the biggest problem that people make is that they don't use enough starter culture or, or scoby because mm. the most important part of the scoby is not the pellicle, the actual little rubber disc. Mm-hmm. It's the liquid. Okay. So 100 mils of that liquid is only enough to make a liter batch. Mm-hmm. So the biggest mistake I see people make is they get a hundred mils or hundred grams of scoby and then they try and make a five liter batch. I think I did that. (laughs) 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 It went moldy. And then it got moldy because it's not. And I wasn't sure if it was my environment because we live in a moldy kind of area. You know, it was, we had rain for eight months straight and I made it during that time and we had water damage in the home and I was like, is it just not going to work for me? <laughs> it, it'll work. It'll okay. work if you've got All your right. ratios right. Right. And then, then with fermented vegetables, again, it's there's a risk of mold. So yeah. you've got to make sure that your, your hygiene is really good when you're making yes. things like sauerkraut and certainly using an airlock. Yes. Because using an airlock is going to – because mold needs oxygen. So mm. the way you actually suppress mold is you're making, making sure there's no anchor points within the vessel itself. Mm-hmm. And everything is submerged well underwater. So all the cabbage is submerged underwater, the appropriate mm-hmm. levels of salt. So sauerkraut is around 2%. And then using an airlock to make sure that all the gas produced in the ferment is vented out yep. and oxygen can't get inside. And that is a foolproof method. Just don't let your cat near your croc because they can drink the water out <laughs> of the boat, uh, yeah, and yeah. then it goes moldy. Oh, that's <laughs> I've, it. I've made all the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could use something like a pickle pipe, which yeah, is... Yeah, I have those now. They're really good. Useful. Yeah. So how complex is the process of making kefir? Oh, my God. It's, it's literally add milk, wait 24 hours, strain, re- put repeat. milk back into the grains, <laughs> repeat. It's not Love rocket it. science. So and what does it take to keep them alive? Like, can I uh, sort of neglect them as I will? As they're I pre- will. Yeah, they're, they're pretty forgiving, but I always tell my community and people that do my workshops is think of them as a pet. So it's like your dog. If you're not feeding your dog, your dog's going to eventually die, right? So he's not, not going to be happy if you're not feeding him. It's the same thing with kefir. It's a live, it's, it's a biofilm of you know, all these species of bacteria and yeast. And they need to be fed. So every 24 hours, I recommend feeding them. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the investment of time required when it comes to making kefir. It's like bringing a pet home and they need to be maintained. You can store them if you like. You can, if you've got too much or you're going to put them to sleep, all you do is you, in a little Ziploc bag, put some some milk powder just as a cryoprotective agent and you could freeze them. You can also dehydrate them. You can even put some milk and leave them in the fridge for a couple of weeks. If you're going to go away for short-term storage, but the best results will be achieved when people are really zealous about their kefir grains and they think of these kefir grains as a pet that needs to be fed every day and you'll get abundance back from them by the love you put into them. Good to know. Um, can I ask you one more question before we stop? I read in your bio that you had, well, you did mention it at the start as well, that you had weight issues 
how do you feel um, fermented foods and kefir can help with losing weight? How does that work? Yeah, that's a really good question, Joe. When the, it's it's very interesting to think about it from a first principles perspective. Like, why does the body typically store fat? Mm-hmm. My my point of view, and certainly from the research that I've looked at, is that fat or adipose tissue, one of the biggest organs in the body. It's a massive organ. It's it's an endocrine organ. It's producing hormones and all sorts of things. And what one of its primary functions is actually to lock away toxicity. So if the body is toxic, fat is a protective mechanism because what fat does is it goes and it actually, it's almost like, like uranium and a lead drum. The fat is a lead drum. So right. the body just shuttles toxins, heavy metals and things like that into the fat cells and locks it up in there. So Putting on weight or, or getting fat, one of the reasons why we do is because the body is overly toxic. And what things like kefir do is that when you opt, because you look at the gut microbiome and the gut ecosystem, it's almost like the first liver. So a lot of the detoxification happens in the gut. So also I mentioned things like lipopolysaccharides, which are toxins that can leak out. So mention actually maintaining a healthy gut ecosystem, firstly dealing with leaky gut, making sure that you've got a balanced microbiome, that'll help you lose weight because there is less less likelihood of toxicity leaking into the bloodstream from the gut and then putting a whole lot of pressure at the liver, you know, the the, the liver detoxification, and then shuttling these toxins into adipose. So if the body is toxic then it just that needs to produce more and more adipose to store toxins. So that's, that's a very simplistic explanation of why it's so important to maintain a healthy gut ecosystem, mm. one of the reasons why it's so important. But it's far more complicated than that. And from our research, you know, looking at other factors, which will take us down a very different rabbit hole. So <laughs> I'll save that one for another day. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you did GAPS, did you have to reduce the start, like the um, sorry, the higher sugar vegetables and all of that kind of thing to help you lose weight, or did you just sort of do it as a general gaps diet and have the fermented foods, and that's what helped? I'm just curious because people ask me all the time whether they'll lose weight on gaps, and I was the opposite. I was underweight, so I had to gain weight. So I was like, I know I can gain weight on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. It, it, it's case by case. Yeah. My methodology was I went on a strict period of following gaps. Mm-hmm. I think it was a few months of following gaps. And then I slowly started to introduce the fermented foods. Okay. So I, I tried. I'm a bit of a stickler for following rules. So mm-hmm. I followed the protocol. Yeah. And then I started did you start with stage one and progress to full gaps? Is that how you did it? I, I literally just took elements of elimination from the, mm-hmm. the actual book. Yeah, like things like bone broth, you know, healthy fats, lower carbohydrates, less irritating vegetables, less Mm. grains, anything that can create inflammation in the gut, I eliminated and really kept it super simple. And then once I healed that lining, then I was able to introduce things like fermented foods. Mm -hmm. Certain certain complex, I mean, the microbiome is is almost like a, a fingerprint. 
So each person is going to react differently. Yes. I, I don't believe there's such thing as a, a one, a one person, mm-hmm. like a, a general fix for everyone. No. Like everybody is totally different. When like people rave about legumes, like my body cannot tolerate legumes. Like I yeah, just, right. I, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Even though they're so rich in fiber and there's all these short chain fatty acid benefits, nutrate, my body just doesn't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a certain polymorphism called a G6PD polymorphism, which really impacts the way that my body can handle things like legumes and mm. really complex carbohydrates. I do really well with sourdough bread. Mm-hmm. It's because it, it's pre-digested by the actual sourdough fermentation. So I do have sourdough bread, mm-hmm. but I get my fiber from fruits and vegetables. Yeah, pretty much the same, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, did you have any other questions before we finish up, Pupu? Yeah, just uh, let us know. Um, where people can find you, find out more information or purchase the products that you mentioned. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to me, my Instagram, I'm pretty active on that. Just literally Ooh. gut health gurus. We'll my Facebook right now. Yeah. My Facebook is <laughs> gut health gurus. <laughs> it's pretty easy. It's just gut health gurus. Our podcast, which is I'm absolutely mm. amazed and how much. Congratulations on that. You're like top of the charts, eh? Yeah, we get, I've really started a year ago, but we've had some amazing guests on really game changes in the in the gut health world and and other novel health topics. And literally, we're like top ten in it's amazing, like That's in Australia, start. certainly in Australia, UK. So yeah, yeah. you can find the podcast in the Gut Health Gurus just by searching Gut Health Gurus on on iTunes or Spotify. What? Yeah, and and Nourish Me Organics is my company, my baby that I created yeah. to. So it started with fermented foods, but now we've expanded into all sorts of gut health related products, fermented foods, kits, probiotics, mm. gut There's supplements. so much on there. There is a lot. I um, just we'll put a link to it in the show notes. And also just so everyone knows, I'm going to get a selection of the products in my store as well. So I'm very awesome. excited about that. Yeah. Cool. Um, you'll have to let us know what's the best ones to start with. Most people sort of, start with so i guess the kefir grains yeah um, yeah because I, I also just to mention i also do a lot of research in into the gut microbiome so my other company is called allele microbiome so when we do when we do nutritional consults or working with clients based on their specific gut microbiome the easiest supplementation to incorporate straight away and you'll see this becoming more and more prominent is something like a prebiotic Mm-hmm. And the most gentle prebiotic to start with is acacia fiber. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether you're on a keto diet or a vegan diet, whatever dietary protocol, it's a nice, easy way to bolster up the short-chain fatty acids and also modulate and select for lactobacillus and bifidobacteria in the gut and help them to give, give them a bit of a head start. And it's a super gentle prebiotic. So that's the one I recommend, like hands down starting with. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. Acacia fiber. But what if you've got leaky gut? I thought that when you had leaky gut, you needed to heal that first and then go on to the probiotics. Oh, sorry, this, prebiotics. This is, is a right? prebiotic. The reason why I recommend you could start on it is yeah. because literally it's so gentle. Okay, cool. It is so gentle. If you go and bolster up your fiber via legumes or beans mm, or, too much. Or, or starchy vegetables, mm. you're going to get bloated. Yeah. 100%. But this Dr. Horolak, I think, used to mention um, uh, 
hydrolyzed guar gum or something like that? Hydrolyzed guar gum we have as well. I've, okay. I've interviewed Jason as well in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So guar gum can still create bloating. Okay, so it's Fo- more fos- gentle. It's gentle. Fosinulin is another common one. Mm-hmm. Or, or goss is another common probiotic. All these can create bloating in a, in a gut that's inflamed. It's going mm-hmm. to be pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. But using something like acacia fiber, mm-hmm. and if you're, you're okay with dairy or meat products, definitely bone broths, collagen peptides, colostrum, all these are pretty good ones to introduce really early in the gaps journey. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Um, well, that was so interesting. I could probably keep asking you questions forever, but we won't. <laughs> um, so if they just search Nourish Me Organics, we'll put the links below that yep. sometimes people are listening and just sort of stick things into their phone. Um, Nourish Me Organics and you're on Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, all oh, YouTube, yeah. yeah. And the Gut Health Gurus on iTunes. Is it yeah. gurus or guru? Gurus. So gurus. gurus. Yeah. So I'm not the gut health guru. I think you are a bit of one. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my Facebook group is also the gut health gurus and there's like there's lots of gut health gurus on there that they okay. some of them know a lot more about certainly when it comes to recipes, there's oh, amazing recipes good. in that group. Yeah. Okay, have a look. <laughs> oh great well thank you so much for being on the show we really appreciate it it's been very interesting pleasure absolute pleasure thanks guys this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.